Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad chatting with Dave Erflay, founder and editor of the Junior Minor Junkie. Now, Dave, look, there's a lot for us to talk about on the macro front, on the data front, but I first want to start off with a little rebalancing in the SILJ that caught a lot of people's attention earlier this week simply because we saw some outsized moved in not just junior silver stocks. There were other silver stocks that had some outsized moves, as well as some more gold stocks that were included in that ETF. Now that ETF really shifted its focus to more track the, I believe it's the NASDAQ metals focused silver miners index away from that prime junior silver miners and explorers index. So we did see a lot of the silver explorers get moved and a lot of the more advanced gold and silver projects be added to this ETF. Dave, what's the trading opportunity here? What are your thoughts on that rebalance? Yeah, Corey, the, the week started out. We went into the week thinking, okay, it's Fed week. You know, everybody's going to be concentrating on what the Fed's going to, they're going to say and what they're going to do and how the market's going to react. But the volatility started to increase on Sunday night when uh, you know those three U.S. soldiers were killed in Jordan and the safe haven play came into, came into gold bonds and the dollar. But then on, on Monday morning, um, we saw a lot of this volatility in several of these silver-related uh, juniors. There's 74, actually, 74 silver and copper-related juniors were affected by this SILJ asset allocation change, basically, like you've already you've already mentioned um, what it what it revolves around. But it's basically, in a nutshell, it's these junior ETFs becoming increasingly less junior. I mean, the the companies that were deleted from the index were mostly higher risk, earlier stage juniors that are less liquid. So it's all about liquidity. You know, there's with 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 the sector apathy and the black bearishness in the junior sector. There's uh, the increasingly less volatility. So these junior index funds are becoming less junior and more mid cap and and even larger cap uh, related. So if you take a look at at the entire history of the SILJ, which was introduced, you know, it was introduced at the beginning of the bear market in, in the mining sector in 2013. So, you know, in the past 10 years, the total average return, it's down 4%. So, you know, the, the managers look at this and they say, okay, we need to bring in more liquidity. We need to take less risk in these stocks. And what they what they're doing is, like I said, they're they're moving away from them being junior indexes. So basically, if you want to follow a junior in index, you have to create your own now because because there isn't one that exists on, in the marketplace right now. Well, Dave, let me pull on that string for a second, because this is the frustration of many investors in the sector, and not just in the silver space, but in a lot of the resource stocks that the ETFs that are created as you say, are more for liquidity, but their name belies what they actually are. When you look at SIL, which is supposed to be the senior silver producers and some of the larger cap companies, and you look at SILJ now, it's not only filled with the largest silver producers, but a lot of gold producers. There's a lot of royalty companies in here. And as you say, they scrubbed a lot of the actual silver juniors. So when you're looking at something like this, 
it's not really a great proxy at all for what's happening in Silver Juniors anymore because it's completely warped with royalty companies, gold companies, and big producers. In the spirit of building your own ETF, what advice would you have for investors to build their own basket? Yeah, that's a great question. It all it all depends on your investment timeline, right? I mean, if you're you're an investor and you see the opportunity in this sector right now, like like I do, you're looking for companies basically, especially in in, in the silver space, they have to have at least a year's worth of cash, or I'm not going to touch it. The capital markets are super super tight right now, you know, for and a big reason being interest rates are you know are, are remaining high and everything's getting tougher to finance. So if you're looking at, at juniors and especially the type of junior, what's the point in investing in a, especially a silver junior that's earlier stage that hasn't really discovered much? You know, they've got maybe they've got a million or two million in the bank and they don't have a fully funded drill program or even if they do, it's higher risk because they haven't found anything yet. So those companies I mean, what's the point in investing in something like that at super high risk when you can invest in a silver junior that's already discovered a major deposit and they're de-risking it and they've got access to capital. They've got at least a year's worth of cash in the bank. They've got a high margin project, you know, because right now it's the junior babies are being thrown out with the lifestyle junior bathwater. So there's 80 to 85% of these juniors that I don't think are viable and worth investing in. And in an environment like this, it's easier for, for seasoned investors to take a look at this sector and say, look, I mean, these are the, com- these are the names I'm going to go with. I'm going to accumulate these things and expect to be down 10, 20, 30% from my average all-in cost because I know this sector is eventually is going to turn at some point, most likely this year. And I'm just going to go ahead and continue to accumulate, not worry about price and accumulate on weakness, of course, and not worry about price because I know this company has a great management team. They've raised money in the past at the right price. They have at least 12 months of cash in the bank, meaning they've got a fully funded budget for this year. They don't have any debt or they've got little uh, manageable debt. And I'm just going to wait. I mean, that's what you have to do in this, because if if you're a seasoned investor in this sector, you know that the big money is made in bear markets, meaning big money is made when you're accumulating in bear markets. It's not made when you're chasing stocks after it's broken out and everything's running. It's made when everything is on sale and you have the time to take to make sure that you get in the right stocks and you're holding. and you love an environment like this when it's like that. So, you know, it's sure it's frustrating while you're waiting, especially in a week like this where we had whipsaw trading, you know, we had big moves up, we had big moves down, we had the gold price rising on geopolitical concerns, we had the gold price rising into fed speak and everybody knew what they were what what they were going to do, which was nothing. And all it was was more Fed speak saying, saying basically, look, we're going to keep listening to the data. You know, we're going to keep monitoring everything and we're not going to lower rates until we need to. Well, you know, we've talked about this before, how I believe the Fed is 
is reactive and not proactive. Sure, they were proactive in, in laying out a timeline, a possible timeline for lowering rates, but they're not going to lower rates until they have to. And uh, that's what the gold price is doing. It's going up on geopolitical worries and it's going back down as the pivot gets pushed farther, farther back. Meanwhile, it's creating this strong floor at $2,000. We had a third consecutive monthly close above 2000 Gold closed at 2067 on the month of January, down only $4 for the month of January. So it's so at the end of January, it was only down $4 on the year. Yet the miners and especially silver continue to show relative weakness to the gold price, which is telling you that, hey, the gold price is not ready to break out. And it might even go back down to that $1982,000 level while the gold stocks may end up testing their October lows, which is only about 6% lower from here. Okay, Dave, back to refocus us here on this whole concept of junior ETFs here. Look, the fact of the matter is, I think, why we don't have true junior ETFs is because, A, it's a very hard game to isolate the highest quality companies and most of these companies have gone down for a long period of time outside of some bumps so yeah rightfully so that there's not volume in the junior stocks so why would people run ets that follow these junior stocks so fine go about building your own portfolio of these stocks if you want to play them back to this rebalance though what about some of the stocks that were dropped from that ETF? Because I know you personally think some of them are very good stocks. Is that simply a buying opportunity to your point of accumulate during bear markets and wait for that run higher? Yes, I believe so. Because when I got into the sector, there were no, there was no GDX, there was no GDXJ, there was no SIL, there was no SILJ. And I did very, very well in the sector from mid-2005 to late 2007. So, you know, you don't need ETFs. You don't need ETF buying for these juniors to do well. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, you just concentrate on those quality companies and you're going to do very well if you have a lot of patience, if you have the cash to buy these things at these prices, and if you do it in a cash account, not in a margin account. So, I mean, all those things are basically telling you right now as far as the gold valuations and you know gold stocks in relation to the gold price and gold miners in relation to the S&P mining index i mean gold stocks are even the cheapest they've been in relation to the to the mining sector so you know everything's screaming that this sector is about to turn we just don't know when and as far as the liquidity and the sentiment is concerned, it continues to be very, very low. And this is when you want to buy. I mean, you never sell a dull market, especially when the, the commodity that they're mining, it sure looks to me like it's ready to break out at, at some point. But, you know, as the, the longer it takes, you know, the more these stocks are going to get pressured because, you know, these all-in cost of production continues to go up. I think the all-in cost of production now is around 1350, 1375. So, you know, the all-in costs keep going up while the gold price continues to meander around that $2,000 level. It's not very exciting. But if you see a breakout above 2100 then it starts to get exciting and it starts to get attention. And when you bring excitement and attention to a sector that everybody hates and has been ignoring for the past year or so, you get some explosive moves. Well, let's talk about that. 
let's just assume that there is the breakout, that we get some excitement and attention in the space, and the sector finally starts moving. Not all precious metal stocks are created equal. You kind of alluded to why would you want to be in a very tiny micro cap explorer with $1 million that hasn't found anything yet. You want to be in some of the value that's already been created in the past cycles now while it's on sale. But let us let me put you on the spot here and look at how you would look at a portfolio management decision. So if gold versus silver, usually silver stocks outperform gold stocks. We've seen that every time there's been a big rip higher in the sector, even during bear market rallies. But gold is the prime mover here. So would you be more weighted to gold or silver? And then the ones that typically move first are the producers, and then it goes down the food chain of risk. So would you be more weighted to producers now? Or would you think, hey, the sector move is on, so I want to be in the juniors that have been so beat up? How would you do portfolio management if we do finally get the breakout in the sector? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on your investment timeline, right? I mean, if, if you're trying to play these moves, then you know the things that are going to move first are always the, the majors the royalty streaming companies, then the mid-tiers, you know, and then the junior producers, and then the developers, and then finally, the more higher-risk exploration stocks. But if you, know, if you want to copy what I'm doing, I mean, what I'm doing is in my investment, in my uh, retirement account, I have the four best miners and the, the two best royalty streaming companies. And that's basically my base investment, right? So, but in my junior minor junkie account, which is my trading account and my higher risk junior account, it's the solid bottom is basically basically in the the lower risk growth oriented silver and gold producers. And then I also have a lot of development stage companies in various stages of development. So, earlier stage development to later stage development. And I also have three silver higher risk earlier stage explorers, but they're at the PEA stage and they're cashed up for the year. And they have really good management teams and they have access to capital. So, you know, these are the things you want to concentrate on. I mean, why take high risk bets in a high risk sector that is about to I I believe is 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 about to turn but the stocks that are going to turn first are the ones with the healthy balance sheets with with the access to capital with the management teams that have done this before they know what they're doing and you know when you start to see if you if you're holding a company and you see them raise 1 or 2 million dollars that's keep the lights on money that's a red flag you know, that's what it takes to keep the lights on these days in a, in a junior company is, is one to $2 million. You see small raises like that, that's a red flag. So Dave, from a timing perspective, though, as you said, usually the majors are the ones that start moving first. As of right now, it's almost like the majors are playing catch up to the juniors on the downside. Some are recently breaking to 52-week lows. So what are we waiting for here? Is this going to be a false breakdown in some of these majors and rebound? Or is this more of a timing concerning sign that maybe that rebound isn't coming right now? Yeah, I mean, if these breakdowns were accompanied with really high volume spikes, then I'd be worried, but they're not. They're lower volume. So yeah, I think, you know, I think we're setting up for a possibly a false breakdown. I mean, that's just the way this sector works, right? I mean, I've been in this sector long enough to know that that before a major move, there's usually a false breakdown in the opposite direction 
before the major move takes place. I mean, you know, the recent example was 2015, 2016. We had a false breakdown first and then an intraday reversal and it just kept going. This happened in the gold price also when 1675 was lost. Everybody was looking at 1675. Well, we needed that false breakdown to create the energy in a reversal to go higher. Whenever you have a false breakdown or a false breakout, the move in the opposite direction is usually pretty strong. And this is usually what happens in commodities too. When commodities are set to break out, they usually have a false move in the opposite direction. So that could happen in the gold price also. But if you take a step back and look at the big gold mining picture, if you look at the GDX and the GDXJ, ever since the COVID spike low, they've been making lower highs and higher lows into a symmetrical consolidation triangle that I think is, is, is about to either break out or break down. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it broke down first to create the energy for the breakout. Well, Dave, let's talk about the breakout because most people have alluded to it needs to be a breakout in gold above 2100 to really get things ripping. Then we see everything else kick into gear. Maybe there's a false breakdown first, and then that gives the energy to break out. But let's look at the week that we just had as far as the macro news. What is going to cause gold to break out? We've had Powell speak this week. We've had the press conference where there was a reversal of opinions from Wednesday to Thursday. We had a better than expected jobs report today. There's not a lot of news for the next seven weeks until the next Fed meeting. What is the stimulus? What is the impetus to get gold to break out here? Yeah, you know, it's the beginning of the week. We had gold rising on geopolitical concerns, right? And then it rose into the Fed meeting and Powell came out and basically he did not fully close the door on a rate cut for March, but you know, he said, we're still going to continue to look at the data. Well, the next data that came out was the better than expected U.S. jobs report. And so, so now the, the CME FedWatch tool is, is gone down to pricing in just a 20% chance of a cut in March, which was, it was 50% last week. And then it was 90% a month ago when the Fed came out with their pivot timeline right, with their dot plot pivot timeline when they were expecting six rate cuts. But the gold price is still well above $2,000 an ounce while all this is happening, buoyed mostly by, by geopolitical concerns, while the gold stocks and the silver stocks are showing relative weakness and showing that, hey, it looks like the gold price just might even get down to that 1980 to 2000 level. But as far as Powell is concerned, he, he understands that you know, the debt-based U.S. economy is dependent on easy money, right? I mean, and the Fed can't control government's fiscal mismanagement. You know, now where it's where basically the interest payments alone on the debt have reached a trillion dollars a year. And w- something really interesting happened on Wednesday, right before Fed speak, a, a regional bank, a New York Community Bank Corp, they announced a 70% rate cut to its dividend. And they posted a quarterly loss of 260 million when expecting a gain of 250 million. And this sparked a major drop in the regional banking index of nearly 5%. And it was the largest single day loss since the, since the collapse of, of Signature Bank in March when the, when the regional banking crisis hit. So if you look at these things, that the Fed's looking at these things, they understand that the U.S. economy cannot continue to function in a high interest rate environment. Something's going to break. And 
commercial real estate could be the pin that pops this bubble. And they're very well aware of that. So, you know, even though they've, they've put out this pivot timeline, they could very well call an emergency meeting if these high interest rates start more, you know, start more of these problems in these regional banks and it really starts to affect the market, they're going to call an emergency meeting and lower rates. That's usually how they begin rate cuts in the first place. So, you know, gold is watching all this, biding its time, waiting while the stock market continues to go higher, which is the reason why gold stocks and silver continue to go lower, right? I mean, there's just no impetus to buy them yet. Yeah, boy, oh boy, there's no impetus to buy them, clearly, just by looking at the chart. Silver's still doing okay. It's trading in a tighter range. And hey, gold stocks, they, they are off some of their lows, at least GDX and GDXJ and those. But man, oh man, it's still just a tough market out there. And if all we're doing is waiting for a major Fed pivot and a collapse to some part of the economy, who knows how long we're going to have to wait for that. But I don't disagree with you in the fact that that would drive money into some of these stocks, but it's hard to time that kind of stuff. So Dave, we'll follow up with you as we continue through this weird world in this wild market. But right now, unfortunately, the way that we're ending this week, it's not a pretty sight for precious metals investors, but that could mean opportunity. Dave, thanks as always for your time. We'll chat again soon. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Thanks.